0: Of Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the King's record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Box into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like King's basketball. Oh.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we always do how are you doing rich
0: i'm doing well brendan i'm i'm doing pretty well i'm feeling new feeling brand new for this 2020 year of ours seeing clearly how are you doing (laughs) yeah that 2020 vision man i'm doing pretty good
1: uh you know it was nice to for the kings to go and wow go and stop that eight game losing streak finally coming out on top against the memphis grizzlies team um And, you know, we can do a short little recap of the Clippers game that happened on New Year's Eve as well. Um, Not all too much to talk about. I know you and I both had things going on over the holidays, so didn't get the best watch through of this one. But Sacramento ended up losing this one 105 87 Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, obviously the two key points of the Clippers, did end up combining for 45 points, but only on 14 of 46 from the field and 4 of 21 from 3. And, uh, you know, there's becoming a theme that Rashawn Holmes is just an animal every single game. I think there's maybe a handful of underperforming games for the standard that he set from himself throughout this season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the MVP chance were ringing out, last night and uh you love to see that I know that he loved to see that uh you know we're I guess we're focusing more on this Clippers game but yeah I, I don't have much to say about this game I mean yeah they scored 87 points that's a very low number but yeah it's the Clippers man
1: right 17 in the second 14 in the fourth and uh yeah, I'm good with moving on to this to this Grizzlies one, and uh, it's always more fun to talk about the wins. And there's some takeaways from this one. You know, they they say basketball is a game of runs, right? Well, this was a textbook de- definition of a basketball game. In the first quarter, Memphis had a 10-0 run and a 19-4 run. Second quarter, yeah. Sacramento has a 13-2 run and then a 12-0 run.
0: Right. Well, Memphis actually, yeah, Memphis had two 10-0 runs. And they were both within about a minute and 20 seconds. (laughs) Like, that is uh, is wild. There was uh, – continue with your point. I don't want to cut you off. But uh, 10-0 runs in 80 seconds. are
1: Right. And, yeah, just the trend kind of kept up. They switched quarters on who really was controlling the game. In the third quarter, Memphis had a 15-2 run. And then in the fourth quarter, Sacramento had their own 12-2 run and a 14-4 run uh, towards the end to really close it out there. So it it was just a very up and down game. Sometimes one team was not able to hit shots, but there were two consistence on this Sacramento side. And man, De'Aaron Fox had himself quite a game in this one.
0: He definitely did. And then going, you know, just before we move on from the runs, it was funny because it was like everyone in the locker room is getting confused about which quarters were good. And I think part of that is because uh, like, so the third quarter has always been bad this season, but guys were being like, Oh, you know, the first quarter oh, was it the second quarter. It was like, <laughs> really, it was like the Grizzlies won two quarters and the Kings won two quarters. And it was not super close, especially that first quarter 42 we, for Memphis. Yeah. Can we just talk about that for a second? Because, it was 42 for Memphis, and it wasn't even contained. It was it was it was more contained than that. They only had like eight points. They only had eight points in the first three minutes, which you know is still like a decent showing. But then it exploded. They had 32 points in eight minutes, which is a really. I mean, it, I just doing the math real quick. I think that's like a 190 point pace or something like that. That's that's rough.
1: Yeah, and they were, they being Memphis, were 6 of 11 from 3. Jaron Jackson has an extremely fast trigger, and him and uh, Rashawn Holmes getting pulled out by Jaron Jackson and Valanchunas. Uh, The bigs definitely had some threes that they were able to knock down to their credit. Um, And yeah, the defense looked a little shaky. I mean, obviously you kind of expect that from Buddy Heald at this point. Like, he was getting cooked by DeAnthony Melton early on when he checked in the game. Um, but it felt like to me, it went downhill. You mentioned it started okay. Um, Fox was in for the first seven minutes and then after that checked out and it felt like that is when the opposing team, interestingly started to just click a little better. And we know Corey Joseph, isn't that much of a fall off from De'Aaron Fox defensively. Um, maybe debatably a better defender even, but yeah, at that point it felt like that is when Memphis really started to get in their groove in this first quarter.
0: Definitely, it feels like Memphis. Their whole bench is just—it's guys that aren't really supposed to be good, but they seem to be playing really, really well. Like you said, Anthony Melton, and then they got uh, just just like guys like Solomon Hill who didn't even score tonight, but I think he just forty
1: percent looked- three point shooter.
0: Yeah. And he looks crisp and he looks, you know, he passes the ball well. And yeah, Jonas Valanciunas like stroked a three and it's, it's just coming from everywhere. Brennan Clark, Brennan Clark looks incredible. His, like the height and the athleticism that he can get. And then he's just such a incredible finisher. He's like a Rashawn Holmes level finisher. He has the push shot. Yeah, absolutely. And he has the Bagley double jump. It's a combination. He's a scary man. Um, He's a scary man. I want to get into comparing some of their prospects to the Kings' prospects, but maybe we'll do that after this sort of game recap.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Who do you want to touch on next here? I know you tweeted out something recently. You were just rewatching the game, and uh, there was that stretch in the second quarter. Fox was great, and the pace was extremely high in that second quarter. There was a Mm -hmm. lot of Memphis turnovers, but it really was Rashawn Holmes that had his own little run there, right?
0: Yeah, right. Talking about runs, Holmes basically had a run of his own. He scored 11 points in four and a half minutes. Um, and so he was in for nine minutes in the second quarter. This was the quarter that, I don't know, I mean, would you say was the most impressive, even more impressive than the fourth?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think it was. I, I think that, yeah, I, I think yeah. the shots were falling in this one but the most impressive thing to me was that the pace was just it felt like last season just for this quarter really it, it shined it occasion in other quarters but this entire second quarter um it, i think starting about eight minutes into it they just ran and there were six turnovers from memphis they were running off of those but it wasn't even turnovers it was off missed baskets they did it off of makes at times like we saw last year the pace was back it's mainly in this quarter
0: yeah and i think this was would- happens when you have a, a big man like Rashawn Holmes who's just hitting everything uh and when he's coming down the lane like he really collapses the defense it gives Fox the confidence to basically do whatever he wants he you know if he knows he's got a man there to drop it down to he can he can drive to the bucket and he can feel secure in knowing that he's got someone there to finish the play if he's got to give it up um and it it felt like he was more confident um drawing fouls and and really like really pushing the ball uh and it really opened up everything but yeah Holmes ended up nine minutes in the second quarter 13 points four boards plus 17 which I think is the most important part of that stat line honestly
1: right and uh, I mean to be fair in that second quarter Memphis didn't make a single three some of it was just them not falling but Yeah, I mean, Rashawn Holmes is really perfect in this pace. The touch that he has is just beautiful to see. And it's fun. Everything was clicking. Like, Buddy Heald was hitting his shots because it wasn't less of him creating himself as well. Like, it felt like the Kings were sort of back with this pace. And I just hope it sticks around for longer. Uh, And it resurfaced, it slowed in the third definitely coming out of halftime, but then it started to resurface again in the fourth a bit as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I felt like this team got a ton of free throws, and they did. So the pace kind of leads to that, helps with that, right? Because you know, fouls are going to be thrown around a little more frequently when guys are blowing past you. You're going to get caught reaching, that sort of thing. And that's what seemed to happen. Um, It was a season-high 31 free throws for the Kings tonight or last night, I should say, uh, and part of that was all the intentional fouls. As someone someone pointed out on Twitter just now, uh, there was 10 free throw attempts in the last 30 seconds, so the numbers are skewed a little bit. But in the second quarter, 11 free throw attempts, that's really significant. That's more than twice what they're averaging in a quarter, more than twice what they're averaging in the second quarter. Um, this team only takes 19 free throws a game, so – uh, you know, even with even with the intentional free throws, which which there are some in other games as well, but even without those counted, that's still a, a a significantly better performance.
1: Yeah, and I think that they were almost selling the contact a bit more. I think there was a game recently against Denver where someone had mentioned, I think I believe it was Doug Christie, that uh, Denver was almost just selling it a bit more and. I don't think Sacramento was necessarily flopping, but they were letting the refs know that the contact was there and got a few whistles because of that, rightfully so. And, I mean, De'Aaron Fox going to the line for eight different free throws, knocking down all of them All is eight, an eight of eight. amazing
0: sign. Massive. That is massive, honestly.
1: And also, I mean, we expect, you know, Rashawn Holmes and Fox to be able to get to the line. I think Harrison Barnes has that capability as well. Buddy Healed having six free throw attempts, knocking down five of them as well. It's nice to see him get aggressive. And in the second half of this game, Sacramento started to attack the paint a lot more, which they didn't do very well in the first half.
0: Yeah, I mean, this team was significantly more aggressive than I've seen them in a while The second half as well, even if it didn't translate to quite as many free throws, I really did feel like this team was going after it Um, and just absolutely like getting to the bucket, not really being concerned. And like you mentioned, the selling of fouls, that's part of it, too. And I think I think John Morant is is actually he's got a tendency to do that. And that's a really good thing. You know, stars get to the line. And you don't have to be like fully James Hardening to do that, right? But it's okay to to sell it, and, like you said, to let the let the the refs know there was contact. Um, it's something that this team should do more of. And when Fox is driving and and he feels contact, he should he should let them know. Should you know, try to finish the play, but you know, let them know because he's going to be if he's going to be the star that Sacramento needs, he's going to need to get to the line more frequently. I know. You know, we've known for a long time that the Sacramento Kings struggle with, for, you know, free throw shooting in both attempts and converting those attempts. Um, I want to pull up some numbers here real quick just because uh, it's still an issue. Uh, Buddy Heald is one of the few guys that is doing well at it as far as converting on free throw attempts, but he only gets the line a little bit, about two attempts a game. Uh, Darren Fox is around seventy-one percent from the free throw line. Bogey, this one really concerned me. He's down to sixty-six percent on the year. So, oh, yeah, I mean, this this needs work. This needs work for sure.
1: Right, and you know, Giles is a guy that uh, is used to putting the other guys on the free throw line. But I want to talk about his offense a little bit here. He's played in all of the last three games for the Sacramento Kings, and really playing exclusively at that backup center spot. And with the minutes that Holmes is not in, Holmes had 34, Giles had 12 in this Memphis game. And this was one of his better showings. He only ended up with two assists, but I felt like he was distributing it amazingly, especially in the start of that fourth quarter. There yes. was a pair of hitting Bogdanovich yep. back cuts that were gorgeous.
0: They were both just absolute dimes. Um, and I that is... If there was any combination of players that I could really get behind this season, I would love to see Giles and Bogey connect for a lot of buckets. Uh, and, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the first one was just a line drive chess pass that was just a bullet. And I think the second one was a bounce pass, uh, and he found Bogey uh, for easy layups on both of them.
1: Yeah. The, the bounce pass was through like the tightest hole that you would have to get it through. It was, it it was just great. I I had to rewind that one and watch it back. Um, And Bogdanovich in this game, He kind of had a slow first half, but in that start of the fourth quarter, he really took the momentum in Sacramento's favor, and they never let go. He scored eight points, eight of his 16, really early in that fourth quarter. Um, And he did end up leaving because he tweaked his right ankle. And right now, um, Sean Cunningham reported that Luke Walton said that oh actually just now uh, that Bogdan Bogdanovich is doubtful tomorrow night against New Orleans um obviously it would be great to have him available and sucks to get these little tweaks but this was a really nice game for Bogdanovich and yeah like you said I mean the connection between Bogdanovich and Giles I can definitely get behind the creativeness on the offensive end and the amount of off-ball movement that Harry Giles Provides when he is out there and really forces his teammates to have, since he has that elite vision from the elbow, from the high block, is just great for this King's second unit when they don't have a point guard that's really a creator in Corey Joseph.
0: Right, I agree. But uh, what did you think about the fouls and the defense overall? The defense was very rough. Um, I think that he's just
1: a little late to his positionings. And also the defense that they were doing in this game. Isn't the kindest for Giles. They were doing like a show defense specifically on Durant on uh, Morant, but a lot of the Memphis guys that really requires the bigs to be fast on their feet and recovering. And I think in general, the Kings did an okay job of rotating, but that's not going to be the kindest to Giles. And he's still just handsy. I think when he gets, Backed up, that he puts both his hands on the guy's back, which yeah. is just a really petty whistle. But they're going to call that at pretty much every time now. Um, so I think it's little things that need to be cleaned up. Um, and yeah, that's kind of why I mainly focused on the offense because the defense has been rough from him.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it was one of his best offensive games, and but also maybe one of his worst defensive games. And not trying to be too hard on the guy, but I think he is a little excitable. Um, and that's kind of what happens when you get, you know, uh, you know, DNPCDs for weeks at a time and then you get back on the court and it's like, you want to make your mark. Right.
1: Right. And he's a high energy guy. I mean, it kind of comes with that. We see Rashawn Holmes have those issues sometimes, you know, they both had five fouls in this game. Um, but yeah, you just kind of have to be able to balance it a little bit here. Um and what did you think of Trevor Reza's minutes? Uh because this seems to be a little polarizing across Twitter. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, frankly I'm I'm tired of Trevor Reza. Um I, I think that he's capable. I think that we've said it before, he's capable. Um I think he gets a little bit lazy. Um that's at least just that's my read on the effort at times, defensively in particular um you know he's capable and what's frustrating about it is that he could be doing more and he could be doing better but from where I'm standing right now I think there could be a lot of value in giving some of those minutes to a more exciting young player like Justin James that's my main thing with Ariza
1: as well is that Justin James is behind him um uh, and you know I understand that Ariza has more years of experience than the next two guys on this Kings roster combined. But you know, if you're not being a leader on the floor with showing that effort um, maybe you're helping with offensive rotations, even though Areza's at fault for those uh, himself as well, that, that is my main issue with Ariza. I think that he's serviceable when he's out there. It's frustrating, like you said, because you know, he could be doing more, but the main reason And I think the guy that I would most want to see traded from the Sacramento team, obviously aside from Deadman, if that brings anything back to Sacramento, who they're not playing at all, um, would be Ariza to get Justin James into this rotation. You know, I mean, as much as the Kings are trying to make the playoffs this year and that somehow is still achievable after that eight-game losing streak, uh, it's really a long-term thing. And Justin James is a guy that has potential to be on this roster for an extended period of time and Ariza's got a two years max on this roster, really.
0: Yeah. Um you know, I kind of want to talk a little bit about trades. Um there is all right before we before we jump into that, before I make an awkward transition into into that, or I could have made a smooth transition, but I want to make an awkward transition back to Giles for just one second before getting back into that. I want to just ask you it's kind of fun for us to quiz each other at times to see you know what we might assume without looking at the numbers um so I just want to I want to run past you Giles he you know his numbers have been pretty impressive on a per minute basis so I want to just tell you on a per you know per 36 minutes here's what he's been doing okay 16.5 points per 36 minutes 2.2 steals 1.5 blocks 5.9 rebounds, 4.0 assists. That all sounds pretty good. Now, if you would do me the favor of guessing how many fouls per 36 minutes, <laughs> oh god,
1: Dallas uh, is putting up right now. Yeah, he's clearly fouling out at least one time over. Let's go with. Uh, hmm.
0: Do you want his? Do you want his fouls per 36 from last season? Yeah, let's hear it. Six point six. I'm going with like 8. Yeah, that's pretty 8.8. Yeah, 8. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's something. That's uh
1: two different rounds of uh fouls that he's got to go through there. Yeah, that's
0: a lot, but it but I mean, you know, it just that is one of those things where if we could just erase that that one issue and it feels like that would go down in time. Like you're not going to have that rate if you're playing a lot of minutes because just by necessity you're going to learn more you're going to be more experienced but um I just wanted to throw that out there because it's a pretty astonishing number
1: I've had it I've kind of wanted to ask this but it almost feels a bit premature but let's throw it out here anyways who do you think is more impactful right now Harry Giles or Marvin Bagley
0: well, impactful? Are you saying just positive impact?
1: Yeah, as the backup center.
0: Uh, That's I the w- main
1: role they both have been playing.
0: Impactful towards wins. Who's who's going to help the team win more?
1: Right. If say you need one game, you know who is going to have the more positive impact winning that game right now? Do you think? Hmm. It's
0: close, right? It's. It's shockingly close. Uh, I really shouldn't have to think about that, but I will say Bagley, and, and I'll I'll say it by a hair. But if we could, if if Harry Giles wasn't a foul machine, I think his passing would be more valuable than really anything that Bagley is bringing to the floor right now.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. And my main point of that was that it just does feel like a very close argument. Like I said, I think it's a bit premature. Both these guys have not gotten the opportunity to show much in their sophomore years for varying reasons. But I I think, you know, Giles has shown an ability to have a positive impact while he's out there, especially and really solely on the offensive end. And I, I just hope that his minutes stay around when Bagley returns.
0: Yeah, well, it's it, you know, there's certainly more of a reason now that Dwayne Dedman has requested a trade uh Dedman was inactive for the game last night some fans got the feeling that that may be you know a trade incoming uh certainly if if you got a deal on the table you don't want him to go out there and get hurt or whatever so um with that in mind I cooked up a bunch of Dwayne Dedman trades would you like to hear some of them let's see what you got
1: The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
0: Okay, I'm trying to figure out how I want to do this because um, I wrote a a really long article. It's a 2,000-word article, okay. all detailing 10 Dwayne Dedman trades. It is not published yet, and I'm not sure when it will be published, Um. It may be a couple of days delayed uh, and I'm not sure where it will be published necessarily because (laughs) um, I don't want to talk about it too much, but um, something really cool could be in the works. Uh, But I'll leave it at that for now until ink is on paper and all that stuff. But so I don't know how much of this I want to give away, but you know, you
1: told us that Charlotte was the one that made sense to you last episode. Do you Mm -hmm. have a Charlotte one in
0: there? Yeah, so I have the I rank them in the 10 trades that make the most sense to me for Dwayne Dedman and Charlotte's all the way down to ninth for me. Oh, okay. So let me give, uh, hmm, let me give, my, let me give my top five and there will be in the article this, there's a full explanation of it, but I'll give my top five and you tell me if, if you think that they'd make sense. All right. All right. Number five, Portland Trailblazers are going to get Dwayne Dedman and Caleb Swanigan. Sacramento gets Kent Bazemore and a 2022 second rounder.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bazemore is just the expiring, and you're not having to give up anything except Caleb Swanigan's return to Portland. Uh, Swanigan, I mean, uh, Bazemore could be somewhat interesting as almost a playmaker in the second unit, but. Yeah, I, and getting a pick back in return is nice as well, even if it's a second. I think that, you know, I mean, you get more out of Baysmore than obviously you are out of Deadman currently.
0: Right, and I guess specifically with these, I'm trying to be more realistic than just like, here's a trade that the Kings would win, because right. frankly, I don't think that's going to happen, you know?
1: Yeah, and is there like a um, general type of package
0: or pieces
1: that you're noticing coming back
0: throughout most of these well that's it it's it's an expiring contract and a second round pick ideally right. maybe some teams wouldn't even want to give a second but that's the ideal is an expiring contract preferably for a wing player preferably for a wing player that might actually be usable right and a second round pick but yeah i mean from the portland side of that i was just thinking that First of all, Hassan Whiteside could use some more time on the bench probably, right? (laughs) Uh, So they're cool with that. I think that they wouldn't mind having... Running with two-way Moses Brown as the backup right now. And they also have, um, you know, the only two big men on their roster for next season when Deadman, you know, that's the concern about Deadman is the guaranteed money for next year. Uh, Their only two big men are, you know, Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic who are both coming back from injury and are both currently injured.
1: Right. And Whiteside will not be on that roster. I believe he's expiring, right?
0: That's right. So, I mean, that's the idea there is like, Hey, well, you get a healthy big man that will be on the team next year too. So maybe, maybe that works, but, but that one's all right. Just something to think on. And then number four is very similar. It's Oklahoma city. Uh, They get Dwayne Dedman. The Kings get Andre Roberson, poor, injured Andre Roberson and a 2021 second rounder. Does that work for you at all?
1: Hmm. Uh, you know, I I think that if Roberson was healthy, I would absolutely love him. But yeah, I mean, in the same thing, it's not hurting Sacramento in any way. I still think that this is a positive trade for Sacramento, but I think the previous one to me made more sense for the opposing team. Um, I see OKC as likely being more of sellers. And it's a little different than the Portland thing because I think that Steven Adams is just a way better big than Hassan Whiteside is.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's good feedback because the downfall of this trade is that Deadman may not get any minutes there. But the upside is that the Thunder, they're so capped out that just adding a decent player is kind of a, a good thing for them because they won't be able to sign anybody in the offseason anyway. So maybe they view this as like, Hey, we can add someone that we could flip later. So on and so forth.
1: Right now, it's looking like they might make playoffs. So
0: yeah. And then I guess, you know, having a stretch five, isn't a terrible thing.
1: No, I would think that Deadman could have an impact like everywhere in the league. He's a center that it feels like everybody would love to have if he's actually what, Deadman is supposed to be
0: he will genuinely be good when he is off the Kings he really I, is it's gonna upset I, me so much I I, I, I know it sure than I I know my own name but uh it, you know I think it's interesting that you see that still as a win for the Kings and that's going to be tested in trade number three I have here uh because this is really the return is just the second rounder as well uh what do you think about the Washington Wizards getting Dwayne Deadman, Sacramento getting Jan Mahinmi in a 2023 Chicago second-round pick. Hmm. Mahini's expiring, right? He is, and Washington is basically out of centers. I think they signed uh, you know, on a short deal. And uh, Bertans has been hurt. Mo Wagner's been hurt. I think they may even want to trade Bertans, has been kind of a rumor floating around.
1: Right. Yeah, if someone heard that, in in what second did you say it was? It was their own.
0: I put in their twenty twenty three Chicago oh, pick okay. because basically, I don't think the Kings want another pick from this year, and that they just don't have their own pick in the next couple of years. There,
1: that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I think that anything that Sacramento doesn't have to, if they're getting back an expiring contract and a pick, albeit you know some future second, even if it was a really high second. I, I think it's a positive. I mean, you're getting something back for Deadman that is supplying you absolutely nothing. Like, as long as they are not giving up assets to dump him, it's fine. Uh, I, I like, I, I think I like your previous ones better because you're getting back wing players that could possibly break the rotation. I guess Mahimi could be like an insurance policy, but maybe in like a Costa Cufas type role. What, how do you... That what had you rank that higher than your previous two?
0: Just that I think that Washington would be more likely to bite because there are players out there. So like we talked about uh you mentioned Courtney Lee from the Mavericks. That is more of a player that could potentially help the Kings, maybe, right? But like maybe. Um, but then there's just so many bigs on that team, like he'll never see the floor. Dwayne Deadman that is, and then
1: Yeah.
0: Another guy is Solomon Hill for the Memphis Grizzlies. That salary matches perfectly Uh, expiring, you know, three point shooting wing that works. But Mm -hmm. then again, Grizzlies have JV, they have triple J, they have Brandon Clark, Clark, right. right? Um, And then Tony Snell as well from the Pistons. But then, so this one may, I may need to slide up because of the Drummond rumors circulating.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I saw you throw that around on Twitter. Um, I, I like Tony Snell. I think that he can do the same thing that Ariza can right now, really. And he's a better three-point shooter than Ariza at this point in his career. Snell's knocked down 42% from three this year on four and a half at attempts. He's practically a little less than doubled his attempts from last year and still kept a higher three-point percentage. I, I think that if a drum and trade were to go down, that maybe Sacramento could sneak tony snell out as a part of that but for for um deadmond i don't know because if detroit is dumping drummond drummond and deadmond these names are throwing me off right now if detroit is dumping drummond then i would think that they might try to sell tony snell and get some sort of asset back in return rather than taking on deadman that's more of like a short sighted um, deal for them.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. No, I, I think that's fair. I think that even though you and I both know in our hearts that Dwayne Deadman will be very good when he leaves, he his stock is so low right now. So I don't know that Detroit is like buying on that. And that one has the extra hiccup where uh, Tony Snell actually has a player option for next season at twelve and a half million. So that's Very actually not a full-on expiring deal.
1: And can we uh, shut down any Andre Drummond trade talks to the Kings? By the way, this, this like should not happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. Who's uh, older than Buddy Hield, by the way?
0: I mean, uh, younger than Buddy Hield. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no interest. <laughs> it sounds like you have no interest. I, I don't really see the Kings having interest in that. So I don't either. Yeah, we can just
1: we can leave it at that.
0: Yeah, and then I'll just throw out. We talked about. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist from the Hornets earlier, kind of the same issue. I definitely respect what you were saying about that affecting their cap space. That's why I have them kind of lower on the list. And then the last one, um, Etwan Moore of the Pelicans, who we'll see tomorrow night. Do you think that the Pelicans could have any interest in Deadman? I mean, they have a little bit of cap space before they will re-sign Ingram, which they – will have to do probably max him, but I don't, it's a very small amount. It's like 10 million. And then, you know, they kind of, they kind of could use a stretch big to put on the floor next to Zion, assuming Zion gets healthy. They could, that's a really interesting one. And you know,
1: they have kind of a log jam of guards like Josh Hart, Etwan Moore. Um, I believe Darius Miller was the one that went down to start the year. Um, yeah, that's kind of – I've identified that before is they could potentially move on from that and needing a center. That's interesting. I think that could benefit both teams here. Uh, you know, I mean, Etwan Moore, maybe I got a little bit of a soft spot originally drafted by the Celtics. Just throw that in there real quick. Um, <laughs> but he, he's a good three-point shooter. And he's, a, he's a solid player. He is. He, he really has – he heats up at times but it's not like he's cold when he's not on fire if that makes sense
0: i think it made enough sense um yeah no i mean like he's a pretty one-dimensional guy but yeah like if there's any one skill that kings can probably use right now it's like a small forward that can shoot threes and you know he's not particularly the best defender of small forwards but you could you could throw him in there at the three and have him shoot threes and and that works was that straight up that's straight up. That's straight up. I like that one. That's my favorite one so far. Was that your top one? <laughs> that's my least top one. Oh. Or, oh. in other words, my bottom one. Oh, okay. That's my 10th one, just because there's, if I don't see the Pelicans giving up any pick there, and oh. I think that the Kings would really like to get a pick for their Dwayne Denman situation.
1: Okay. I think that's, yeah, that's interesting, but if it's another second, like you've kind of mentioned, you know, I mean, they're looking at a lot of them here.
0: Yeah. I, something about the way this team operates. So going back to the George Hill situation, it was like, yeah, we signed this player to a deal that's way too much money and he doesn't want to play here anymore, but we need to win the optics of this trade. So we need to walk away with it from it with something to show which is, by the way, how they have all these second-round picks. (laughs) Right. But um, I have two here at the top that I think are actually very legitimate, really interesting. Um, Number two, it's been reported by uh, CBS Sports that the Los Angeles Clippers are interested in Dwayne Dedman. Maurice Harkless straight up for Dedman.
1: Oh, okay, yes. I saw this report, and I went through all the potential teams. This Harkless one is is – the best one here like it's great right I mean, th- I mean so this good.
0: this could work they have the wing depth because they're the Los Angeles Clippers to just like right be like hey Rodney Magruder you're you're up and it gives them a perfect five like
1: it assuming Deadman is yeah like we think he's going to be and he, honestly Harkless is such a nice fit next to Bagley too if Bagley is playing the five like Harkless is a three but he can also play that four he almost like you get another Harrison Barnes-sized player that can play that defense. Yeah. And he's not a great three-point shooter, um, but you know is somewhat okay from range, 35% this year. Um, better than I thought, actually, because he was 27% last year. Um, uh, this one is really interesting to me, and I wouldn't have thought this the case if Harkless weren't rumored uh, to potentially be available if if uh, the Clippers were able to get say like a center because yeah. they are just so loaded.
0: But I think yeah. positionally is what makes this work. It works, and I think that Dwayne Dedeman is a better center than uh, Zubac. You know, it's like one of those things where you gotta. Uh, he could he's the worst center in the league today. Um, you know, like unfortunately, but. I really do think that Dwayne Dedman could win a ring as the starting center of the L.A. Clippers this year. That's like like within the realm of possible.
1: (laughs) That would be the worst thing ever to have to watch that, to be honest. I'm
0: just, oh God. And he'd be so good, too, like we're saying. But even then, I wouldn't be mad at that either because I think Harkless would be a great grab. I think he
1: would have a great impact, especially a team that's really emphasizing defense here. I think that he can run out in transition when they do get stops if the Sacramento decides to keep up with that. Um, But yeah, really the defense that he would be able to bring and say you do play against this Clippers team after this trade, you now have a guy, you feel a lot more comfortable guarding both Kawhi and PG because before it's like, okay, Barnes is guarding one of them. Who the heck guards the other one? And Harkless can guard those type of players.
0: Yeah, so that's that's my number two, and based on your reaction, I am tempted to move it up to number one. But there's a number one here that just makes so much sense to me. <clears throat> you probably know Is what it I'm gonna Houston? It's Atlanta.
1: Okay, that was my second guess. <laughs> it's
0: the return it's the it's the reunion, right? I mean Dwayne Denton was so much better when he was playing for the Hawks and the Hawks were so much better when he, when Deadman was playing for them. Like, this is just, this is perfect, right? You trade Alan Crabb and a second round pick for Deadman and Swanigan. Call it a
1: day. Right. I mean, Crabb can somewhat shoot the ball. Uh, you, you know, he's capable in that way. And uh, Atlanta has been tied to that's where this whole Drummond thing came from. They're really looking to try to turn around their season that they were hoping to be more successful. And Deadman returning there definitely makes a lot of sense to me. You know, if it's a confidence thing for Dwayne Deadman and a comfort thing, why not go back to the place that obviously you fit in well and you had the best year of your career. I think that I like the return for the Kings better if you were looking at Harkless. But I'm not going to be upset with getting Alan Crab back. I think that this would be the best for Deadman.
0: It would definitely be the best for Deadman. And that that is probably a good way to look at what might actually happen. Because what what's best for the Kings, it's not within their reach probably. Um, and it's interesting you said that Harkless could be more of a return because I mean, do you think that it's realistic that the Kings would retain him after this year, or you just think that he could have such an important impact this season?
1: I just think he would have more of an impact this year. Um, I, I mean, maybe you could explore keeping him, but that wasn't crossing my mind when I was thinking about that. It was mainly this year's impact. Um, I, I think that he's a bit more versatile than what Alan Crabb is. And Alan Crabb is just going to come in and, you know, chuck some threes up and i i'd value the defense more than the three-point shooting with the roster that the kings currently have
0: definitely i was thinking more of a long term like it's a guy that you can sell as winning the trade like hey we got a career 39 percent shooter 20 also <laughs> this year by the way yeah but listen that's not how they're gonna sell it <laughs> <laughs> right right and but the, but we also got a, a second round pick it's a draft asset Hey, it could be anybody. We could draft the next, you know, anybody, (laughs) right? And they would have to include Swanigan to make the money work for Crab. So Mm -hmm. you also get that additional roster spot. You can circulate in some G League guys. Uh, You know, I mean, that might actually be valuable. We've been talking about it for a year now, basically, that the Kings need to, or I've been talking about it since the summer, that I think the Kings will hang on to Swanigan until they can find a way to make it look like they won that trade for Scal in some way and that they don't just have to cut him. So I, I think that's honestly a, a they weird did. win, optic-wise.
1: <laughs> yeah, they didn't win that trade. Uh, I mean, they're going to try, sure. But I'm just here trying to figure out uh, how to make Austin Rivers come to the Sacramento Kings.
0: Yeah, I mean, so what is that? That's definitely for really- in Rivers and, and Nene for Deadman and Swanigan. Yeah,
1: and we'll throw like uh protected first, maybe, you know, just Sorry. to get just to get the
0: talent of Austin Rivers on this roster. Oof. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um But yeah that's I, no, I, that's that's the that's the Ariza deal that you want.
1: Right. There you go. That's a that's an interesting point. You're right, you're right. Um but I think my favorite trade that you presented was probably that Harkless one. I, I think that works well both ways. Uh Zubok has been really nice for the Clippers, but it's a different type of center. I, I guess actually thinking about it a little more, it would be interesting to have Zubok, Harkless, and Deadman. Um wait, I'm sorry, what's the For what the Clippers saying? roster? If we were talking about that Clippers trade, um it, it would be a little busy to have Deadman Zubok. And, um, I think I said Harkless accidentally, um, oh, okay.
0: Montrose Harrell. Harrell. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that Zubak would see a pretty, I mean, it, it, basically, you know, Dedman couldn't get the job day one. Like that's not going to happen. The It would become a competition between Dedman and, and Zubak probably.
1: Right. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think in regards to Sacramento's point of view, I, I think that that's, at least the best expiring contract that you're looking at out of those. I mean, all of these really included an an expiring contract in return. And uh, I I think that that would be – Harkless has the best skill set out of these expiring guys. Most of them are pretty one-dimensional. I I would take that one-dimension being defense and then somewhat capable knocking down a shot on the
0: other end. Yeah, um, Harkless is definitely the guy – And, you know, maybe they they find a a new home for Arisa or, you know, don't guarantee his money for next season. And and maybe they find a way to retain him.
1: Yeah, there you go. Um, And, you know, the Celtics were also mentioned in that article uh, that linked. Let's see this. They linked the Clippers, Celtics, Timberwolves, Trailblazers, and Hawks as potential shoot- suitors for Deadman. And then the Maver- Mavericks and Magic might be interested as well. That's how it was worded. Um, I'll shut down the Celtics one real quick. Not It just does not make sense. Like, Yeah,
0: was, I stared at that roster forever, and it doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, you know, like, are you doing – you have to do a combination of guys, and then Sacramento is either needing to cut people or – add others in return it, it just doesn't make sense like and it, yeah, it, it's cancer yeah it doesn't add up the yeah the contracts are silly there minnesota won like it, it's it, gorgy dang and there's no
0: way right so, and there's another
1: way. year on Gorgie dang is there Ex- not
0: exactly that's why i would not like that doesn't work that's like the Yan mahimi deal but Yan mahimi has another year at, at 18 million
1: <laughs> right no and i like I shot a little message over to Dane Moore asking about that as well. And he was like, yeah, the Wolves have like 40 centers, so I doubt it. Um, and then we both shared a moment about how the Kings and Timberwolves absolutely suck this year. But uh, – <laughs>
0: That was uh, – yeah, well, I hope when you enjoyed they, When that. they were both rough, yeah. Hope you enjoyed that double overtime game. Yeah. I don't know if anybody enjoyed that game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Facts. <laughs> it's a shit show. Um, but, yeah, do you have any other uh, any other trades you want to – throw out here man i think you might have you previewed a good amount of them here
0: yeah no i probably gave too many out there but um yeah i mean magic you could do alfricamino but it that doesn't i wish he was healthy yeah and then the other one that was kind of interesting um a guy that we saw last night on the grizzlies but kind of didn't see because he's been so invisible recently do you think that the Grizzlies would trade Kyle Anderson straight up for Dwayne Dedmon? Anderson has 3 more years at 9 million. Oh, weird. Um it's kind of, it would kind of be like a, the, the like a failure for failure. That's too harsh. It right. would be like, you know, that classic <laughs> our guy is struggling, your guy is struggling, we right. swap them.
1: Right. And of course Kyle Anderson would then proceed to just suck and Dedmon would be great. Um <laughs> yeah. How, how long did you say that Kyle Anderson has left on that deal?
0: Three years at nine million per year. I believe the third year is a player option, which if he I mean if he sucks, he'll pick it up. But, yeah. I guess slow mo fits with the Kings now though, no? I mean Right. And there I mean there are <laughs> people at the time there were a lot of Kings fans interested in slow mo. Yeah. I felt like you were a Kyle Anderson guy not long ago. Am I wrong about that? Um you might not be wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> i i don't yeah i mean i was interested i was intrigued i was intrigued. He's, he's struggling he's struggling he
1: definitely is and that's interesting that he's really fallen out of their favor a lot um you know he's still only 26 years old and has got some nice size to him and defensive potential as well i don't think i would want to take on longer term
0: salary though Guys look good on the Spurs, you know. Um, they really do. They really do. And that, I mean, that was like the Jonathan Simmons situation, uh, where he was a wing on the Spurs. He looked really good, and then he went to the Magic and just was awful. And then was traded for Markel Fultz, and then was just unceremoniously <laughs> out of the league. Right. Yeah,
1: and then San Antonio's point of view is don't re sign Jonathan Simmons, just find the next one.
0: That's exactly right. And I, I think that's what they did with uh, Mr. Kyle Anderson. So maybe we've all been bamboozled here.
1: Yeah, maybe so. Uh, but looking at these next couple games that Sacramento has ahead of them, these next three ones are winnable. The game. Saturday against the New Orleans Pelicans. Actually, you know, I'm sorry, bringing this back very quickly to this Memphis game.
0: Are you sorry for saying that they're winnable games and thus dooming the Kings to lose? Who cares at this point, this season is
1: so up and down. I don't even know what we've caused. (laughs) I wanted to ask you because you were at this Memphis game, right? I was. Yeah. I, I, I watch a lot of these games on mute when I'm not watching them live because it's just easier for me to focus and I heard there were boos at the beginning of the game and then MVP chance by the end. Like, we talked about it being a game of runs. Was the crowd
0: super up and down in that game? Yeah. I mean, there was boos at the end of the first quarter, and then there was MVP chance at the end of the second quarter. So, uh, yeah, it was up and down. But hey, the game was up and down. Like, that's, I think that's fair. They gave up 42 points to a not great Grizzlies offense. And then they had maybe their best quarter, or at least specifically, Rashawn Holmes had maybe the best quarter of any Sacramento big man since DeMarcus Cousins. So I, I actually think both were earned. Yeah, that would make sense to me.
1: I, I just wanted to ask you because I did not hear any of that, um, but saw it floating around a little bit. And, yeah, especially, I mean, it makes sense to be on edge when team has just lost eight in a row and then give up, like you said, 40-plus points to a Memphis team. but like I said, winnable games New Orleans, and then you play at home against the Golden State Warriors and then you go to Phoenix um, and that's that's winnable as well Phoenix has been struggling here this could be a nice way to get on a little bit of a run here for the Kings like like we said they've dropped they just are getting off dropping eight in a row but luckily are still somehow only two games out of the Western Conference playoffs right now uh, where really that eight seed is looking like it's still sitting available and OKC starting to run off with the seventh here. I mean, it's like they have to keep the pace up a little bit, right?
0: Yeah. The pace situation is untenable and Luke Walton knows it. Um, It became a primary focus of conversation uh, around the locker room and the post game, pre game conferences, all that stuff. So, yeah, uh, you can't lose eight games in a row playing the slowest brand of NBA basketball, and, and not and not change that up when this team was so fast last year. Um, yeah, you just can't do it. Like, I, I, I pace covers up a lot of flaws, and you don't have to cover those up. Uh, if you want to to work through that through them and and teach your players through those flaws, help them address those flaws, uh, learn from their mistakes. Yeah, you can slow it down and and you know and take things one step at a time. But yeah, when you lose eight games in a row, it's time to cover up some of them flaws, my guy. And he's doing that.
1: Right. And, you know, I, it's funny that Rashawn Holmes had such an amazing season with the pace being so low because I think he could be such a threat in transition with just having great finishing and body control. He obviously is extremely fast getting up and down the court with his just absurd, like unmatchable uh, effort levels. And, you know, Matt George had an interview, a little one-on-one that he posted on the most recent Locked on Kings show And it was a one-on-one with Corey Joseph talking about what Corey Joseph thinks about the pace and sort of introed it as there being talk of Corey Joseph, you know, just preferring a slower system and him being part of the reasoning on why it's been slow. Obviously him being replaced for De'Aaron Fox is a drop-off, but Joseph was very quick to say, I actually think that I'm best when I'm out in transition. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I think we saw that more often in Indiana He's not a creative passer, but he's a good one. I, I think that if you get him in obvious passing lane, that he's going to be able to make that. I think he makes smart cuts, and he does have some offensive issues that would be hidden if he was running in transition at times. I, I think it's it's more than De'Aaron Fox on this team, obviously, the speed and Buddy Heal to compliment him. Rashawn Holmes runs great. Bielitsa is an amazing trailer like I mentioned, I think Corey Joseph works well in that regard. Um, Justin James definitely would fit a lot nicer in a transition system than Trevor Reza, that's for sure. But I, I mean, this whole team, like you got to keep it up a little bit and New Orleans, Golden State, Phoenix, all teams you can turn over and really start to get this season feeling back in the right direction.
0: A little bit of hope and optimism for the fans. Yep. I agree with everything you just said. Um absolutely I, I will point out that after those three games they do run into a bit of a buzzsaw and put the bucks and then have road yeah. games against uh, uh you got Dallas and then road games against Utah and Miami in about the span of a week so but yeah let's savor these three winnable games while the Kings got them um yeah I, I think I think you're right that this is when You got to turn it around because one game is not going to be enough. One win is not going to be enough after losing eight straight.
1: Right. Got a little taste of it. Now, keep feeding it to the fans and hopefully come out with some W's.
0: But is that going to do it, man? That's all I got. That's all I got, man. Thank you for uh, joining me tonight. I know we've been inconsistent through the holidays, but uh, we will be back at the end of the weekend. Um, we'll We'll get something for you Monday morning.
1: There we go. Yeah. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. And you hear from us again in the next couple of days.